Good morning, everyone. We're going to get started. We're going to do a couple of praise songs for you. First one is God with us. Who are we that you would be mindful of us? What do you see that's worthy looking our way? We are free in ways that we never should be. Sweet release from the grip of these chains. Like hinges shining from the wind, my heart no longer keep from singing. All that is within me cries for you alone. Before Calvary 
such talent. Thank you, Praise Band, for being here. We appreciate you. Um, have some news to announce. Guess what? Media Shout is not working again. Except I see Timmy up there. Are you trying to get it working? Okay, in other words, Media Shout may work, may not work. Well, let's go ahead with our service. Um, in Dr. Tim's absence, they're in Georgia this weekend for a wedding. So a um, couple of announcements. If we get the invite video, we'll do it a little bit later. Um, the scholarship team, they're looking for seniors. We know that our own Jesse, where's Jesse? Jesse is our senior. If we have any other seniors, we ask that you go see Pam Gardner for a scholarship application. Any other seniors that are graduating from the high school this year? And Christine tells me that no volleyball tonight. It is too beautiful outside to have volleyball inside. So please take the time for volleyball tonight and practice your walking. Remember, this coming Saturday is our sign-ups for the um, TriFest, the Habitat Walk. So if you'd still like to walk with the Community Baptist team, we would love to have you. Please see Christine Cornelius today after church to sign up for that. It's $15, and all proceeds go to Habitat. Starts next Saturday morning. Um, the only other, um, actually, I think that's all the, the uh, announcements I'm going to do right now. We're going to go ahead and welcome you to Community Baptist Church. If you're new to our church, we are so very glad you're here. It's going to be a little bit different today, but it's going to be a great day, and we're glad you're here. If you are um, new, be sure and sign this sheet. It's on the end of each aisle. And all of our regular church members, please go ahead and sign this, too. So we're going to go ahead and do the responsive reading. <clears throat> we come this morning to worship the God made known in Christ Jesus. We come seeking the Christ, the life of the world. We come to worship God and to seek God's presence. Our lives have grown easy in the darkness. The light of God's presence may be uncomfortable. Even so, we come to worship. Even so, we seek God's presence or in his light our lives. As we play the gathering hymn, we ask that you stand up and greet the folks around you. Extend your hand. Give each other a hug as we play it play the gathering hymn and we'll get ready for children's moment. Let us worship God together.
washed away in the ways of His mercy. A deep cries out to Children, come on down. Kirk's down here in front. Yes, they're all here. Anybody else? to reading this week, and I read what happens before Jesus goes and talks to the woman. Listen to what Jesus said. I love my Bible because Jesus talks to me through his word. He who has received his testimony has set his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Well, God gives a lot of things in those few little sentences. He gives eternal life. He gives his Son. He gives and gives and gives. I have something to give to you. I've been saving this candy, my favorite candy that only comes out at Christmas time. So it's January, February, March, April. It's four months old. Would you like a piece of my four-month-old candy? Anybody want a piece of my four-month-old candy? It's my absolute favorite. It's pepper. It's a candy cane. Hugs. Anybody else? Well, let me tell you, I think that God wants our first, our best. And in church talk, we call that a tithe. And a tithe can be money, it can be our time, it can be our talents. My friend uh, Logan here, what do you do really well at school? Math. Math. I'm not so good at math. But we're going to have a little math lesson today. Look right here. Every one of us from children's worship 
we've laid out ten pennies. And if maybe you get an allowance or maybe sometimes you get some money. If you had ten pennies in a row, God wants your first tenth. He wants the first out of your life. He wants the first thoughts of your day. He wants the first of your money. He wants the first of your time. Well, let's count. Okay, guys? Everybody, help everybody up here pull out one penny. One penny out of ten. And if you, if you stay in church, sometimes you see people, some adults, they pass around these plates and people put envelopes in them where they put dollar bills. Let's put our first penny in the offering plate. Either one of them. They're both good. The first tenth. And then are you left with some money? God leaves us something left behind. God gives us our best. Let's do it again instead of pennies. Rake up the pennies, boys. Let's lay out dimes because dimes are also easy to count in tens. We haven't saved up enough money yet to pull out quarters, but we do have dimes. And when we're upstairs for worship, this is how we take our offering. We take our offering by counting out and practicing our math skills. And then we take pieces of paper and we write something that we want to give to God and we fold it up and we put it in a basket. Sometimes I put in there that I'm actually going to pick up the wet towels off of the floor in the bathroom. And that's my gift to God that week. Sometimes it's, I'm just going to say something extra nice to my sister. So now we have a row of ten dimes. How much do we give back to God the very first part? One-tenth. And so if we have ten in a row, we just count out one. So count out one, somebody. Pick one out. And put it in the offering plate. You already put one in? Thank you so much. We're going to stop right there. Old candy, I hope it still tastes good whenever you get to eat it. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Yeah. But God wants our best because God gave us his very best gift, Jesus. When I pray, I close my eyes. I bow my head because God is so much bigger than anything I can imagine. And he deserves my respect. And then I just talk to him. Would any of you all like to pray for us? Any of you all? You'll know that I'm finished praying when I say amen. So I'm going to close my eyes only to think about God. I'm going to bow my head because God is so much bigger than I am. Dear God, thank you for the sunshine today. Thank you for your most precious gift, Jesus Christ, who died for all of us. He's given us a gift that lasts forever and ever and ever. Sometimes I do things that are wrong, God, and I ask for your forgiveness. Thank you for my friends here at church. Thank you for my family. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I think if you're younger, then you're going to follow um, Kelsey. And we're going to clean up our mess, and then we're going to go back upstairs for our worship. It's good to see you at church today.
be seated. Good morning. The morning Holy Scriptures this morning is John 4, 1 through 15. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized. He left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria, so he came to the Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came down to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, Now is, is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and what it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him, well, is deep. Where do you get the thing, the living water? Are you greater than all ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well with his sons and flocks, drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of that, the water, that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to the internal life. The woman said, Sir, give me the water so that I may never be thirsty to have to keep coming down to draw water again. So be the scriptures and all God's people said, Amen.
Let us pray. Dear God, as we think of the wonderful gifts that you have given us, including the gift of living water that allows us to drink of you and never thirst, we are so grateful. We are also grateful for this opportunity to give you the first fruits of the gifts that you have given us. Thank you for this opportunity, and it fills our hearts with gratitude to just think of the grace that you continually bestow upon us. So with grateful hearts, we offer this offering to you, your service, and our kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Good morning, everyone. It's it's a privilege to be here today, and it's uh, kind of strange for me because the only time that I've had the privilege of standing behind this podium and speaking has been at my annual banquet, which your church has been gracious enough to host the last two years. So I'm used to about 300 people here all around tables and eating food, so I'm glad you guys aren't eating this morning. Just, uh, we were going to play a little video just to tell you a little bit about the ministry, but uh, today I wanted to share with you about what jail ministry to me, it comes from the fact that Jesus cares. And when we think about something as simple as that, what the impact of that is, and, and it started back in 1961, there was a young man by the name of Bill Skinner that he was graduating from Bible college. And he wanted to get a little practice in on his preaching, so he went down to the local jail and he said, do you mind if I come in and share the gospel and do some services? And the jailer said, sure. And it started having an impact in that jail, and soon a jailer down the road found out about it, and he wanted some more people. And so Bill went back to the seminary and grabbed a couple of other seminarians, and 50 years later, here we are, Good News Jail and Prison Ministry, serving in over 27 different countries, 23 different states, a little over 400 chaplains worldwide. So far this year, nearly uh, 16,000 people have accepted Christ worldwide.
here at the local jail, we've seen uh, nearly 25 people accept Christ and over 45 recommit their lives. We've been privileged to be in the Henderson County Detention Center since 2002, so we're celebrating 10 years here in the jail. I've been here since 2008. I come from Evansville. Don't hold it against me. Uh, I have been living here, though, long enough, I think, because it's starting to wear off on me. Uh, last night, we were sitting around talking with some couples, and we were kind of all sharing the how did we meet kind of story. And so I looked at one of the other couples, and I said, how would you all meet? Without even thinking about it, I swear, that's what I said. I said it just like that, too. And even my wife looked at me, and she's like, what is wrong with you? So I was like, I don't know. I've been living across that river just a year, but it's starting to wear on me. I do come from... Uh, Kentucky, though, in a way, because my mom is from Kentucky, and my mom lives here. She's remarried. My father passed away 15 years ago, but she remarried and lives here in Henderson, and uh, she is very excited, mostly because the grandkids live here now, and so we're privileged to serve here in Henderson County. Jail ministry is unique. You have to learn some lingo when you go into jail ministry. I remember the first week I was there, uh, I went in and was doing a, a service. One of the inmates came up to me and he said, uh, Chaplain, would you pray for my hearing? And I said, sure. So I, I laid my hands on his ears and, and I bowed my head and I prayed my heart out. And I got through with the prayer and I snapped my fingers. I said, so how's your hearing? He said, I don't know. It's next Tuesday. I got all kinds of bad jail jokes, but I'll save them for later. Um, it's, I had the greatest evangelism team in the world. Every night you see them around the town. They have red and blue lights. They keep bringing people in. I know a lot of pastors wish they had such a team. I'm constantly getting new people, visitors every day. It's, a, it's an interesting, I was talking with Mary earlier. She was asking just kind of what the ministry's like out there. I know that coming from Evansville, I was thinking about Henderson, the size of Henderson, expecting a small jail when I came over here for the first time. I was very shocked. Uh, You may or may not know that the jail here holds on average about 550 inmates each day. They see nearly 5,000 people go through the, the doors there at Henderson County Detention Center. And it's a unique situation because in most jails you get the local guys. And that's about it. But You know, the Bible tells us Jesus said to go out into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to uttermost parts of the world. So you can see that he had this idea of starting locally, go to the state, go to the community, the country, and then eventually to the continents. And we have the unique privilege that here in one building at the Henderson County Detention Center, we get to do all of those. Uh, I interact with men here locally, men and women from the state, and because we house also federal inmates We get people who are not only just across the Midwest, but across the country and around the world. And I was uh, amazed at Christmas time. I was doing a service about reading the Christmas story. And two of the men in the room, I was sharing about how unique it was that these men from Persia, modern-day Iraq, Iran area, came to worship the, the wise men. And it talked about how when Jesus was in danger that the angel came and told his mom and dad to flee into Egypt. And so Christ was saved by going into Egypt. And at the end of the 
service, I asked for any comments, any you know, questions and things like that. And I had two men stand up. One man was from Persia and one man was from Egypt. And they shared some things about their culture that kind of just made that come alive. And I'm, I'm amazed because it is exactly the kind of thing that God does. Is that he puts the unexpected in areas that you wouldn't even think it would happen. Good News Jail and Prison Ministry is about rescuing people. Our kind of slogan is rescuing people is by breaking the cycle crime one life at a time. And before I get into my passage, which is in John, I wanted to just read with you a passage <clears throat> that's my personal ministry statement, and I borrowed it from Christ, who started with this same passage. You see, when Jesus started his ministry, he stood before a group of people, and he opened up the scroll of Isaiah, and he read this passage. The Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness the prisoners. Jesus Christ lived his whole entire life doing that exact same thing. You read throughout his ministry that he spent his time rescuing people who were lost, giving sight to the blind, setting people free who were captive to sin, demonic possession, illness. We are blessed to have the opportunity to go into the jail. Guys, this is darkness. This is darkness. This is where Satan has taken people's lives and he has turned them into trash. Not the individual. They're still precious. But their lives have been ruined. Addictions. Disruptive relationships. Men and women who are blind. Men and women who are captive. Long before they ever had shackles on or stood behind a jail door. And so people, when I talk with them and they ask and they find out that I'm a jail chaplain, one of the things that they kind they usually ask me, well, something along the lines of why jail ministry? Why do you go in? Or why should the church go in? They've made their choice. They're paying their consequences. Let's just leave it at that. And I answer them with this passage. So if you have your Bible with me, turn with me to John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, we have a familiar story of the woman at the well. And I'm sure earlier as it was read, you may have looked at it, and as we often do, those of us who are guilty of growing up in the church, we hear a familiar passage, we kind of tune it out. But what I hope today is that we'll take a look at this with maybe some fresh eyes. Because I think there's something to glean from this passage that talks about when Jesus says that he came to do those things, to set people free. Here is a woman who was captive. She was captive to her culture. She was captive to a system that required her to have a man in her life. She was trapped in a situation where she had lived a life of sin in order to meet her needs. And we know that because she's coming out at noon which is often a time that people would not have come. Most of the women would have came in the morning before the heat of the day had, had come out or in the evening when it had cooled off a little bit. But she avoided those women. 
One of the things that I teach the guys and the women in the jail all the time is that when we read the Bible is do not look at this as just a story. Those of us who grew up in the church, I remember as a kid, they had those little felt characters and they would hang them on the little picture, the little feltograms. Those of you who went to VBS, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Right? And we kind of have a tendency to, to, to leave it there. One thing I always try to get men and women to understand is that this is a, this is a living, breathing document about living, breathing people. And especially with the women, I don't have to really explain too much. I said if, if a woman is trying to avoid other women, they get it right away because of gossip, because of backstabbing, the whispers. So it's a woman who's captivated. She's captive and held captive by her past. So this is exactly the kind of woman, the kind of person that Christ was talking about when he opened that scroll in Isaiah. Jesus left Judea, verse 3. Jesus left Judea and went back to Galilee. He's going from the south to the north. And he had to go through Samaria, verse 4. It's an interesting passage right there because it says he had to go. If you look at a map of, of Israel, especially during the biblical times, is that there was this section of Israel called Samaria. And it was avoided like the plague by a good Jew. You see, Samaritans were what the Jews would call a half-breed. They were imperfect. When the Jews had rebelled against God and in the Old Testament, God punished them by sending Babylon to take them into captivity. One of the things that the Babylonians would do is that they would send, they would leave the women in the original country, take them in. Then they would send their men into the country to marry and father children with the women who were left behind. So that genetically and culturally you would blend things together and you would no longer have the identity that you once had saying, I am Jew. You would now say, I'm Jewish Babylonian or Babylonian Jewish. And eventually within two or three generations, it's a blurry kind of line and no one knows who's Jew, who's Babylonian, so we might as well all get along because we might be related. The problem was that those who stayed behind, some of them were faithful and they tried. They tried to honor God. They tried to do the things that Abraham and Moses and the prophets had told them in the law and followed things and they worshipped God the best that they could. But when the Jews came back and was restored, they shunned these people because they said, you're not pure. You're not of the true line of Abraham. You've been contaminated. And so for hundreds of years, these people suffered the stigmatism of being Samaritan. And when it says that Jesus had to go, it's a compulsion. It's a compulsion. Christ is led by the Spirit. This phrase is only used a few times in the Bible. And in the New Testament, it's primarily in discussion of Christ and His completion of Scripture and prophecy. In other words, He was compelled to go to the cross. He was compelled to go to Samaria in this time. Why? Point number one, because Jesus cares about people. See, John 3.16, just a chapter before, For God so came so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoso believes in Him, that He would save the what? The whole world. Not just the Jews, 
Not just the people who are already cleaned up and righteous. Everyone. The message was for everyone. And Christ, as our great example, demonstrates it in this point. Because Jesus cares about people. I will tell you that it is difficult some days. I try really hard not to know what people do so that I don't have a preconceived notion. But it is difficult to stand and sit and talk with men and women when you know the heinous crimes that they've done against women, against elderly, against children. But I have to go back to this and I have to say, and all of my volunteers who come in, we try to do the same thing, is that we must be like Christ. Because why? Because Christ cares about people. And I'm reminded that there was a time in my life when I was 11 years old that I first understood the message of Jesus Christ. I had heard about it. I had done the VBS. I had done the Sunday school thing. And I had kind of raised my hand a few times and said, oh yeah, I want Jesus in my heart. But I did not understand the reason I needed Christ. And at 11 years old, I came to that point where I said, I am a sinner. I am filthy and below the lowest. I identify with Paul saying that I am the king among sinners. And when I recognized that and I repented and believed and was set free, as Christ said he would do, how am I any different than anyone else who I come across? It's interesting that inside the jail that there is a hierarchy even among the inmates. You could be a robber, no big deal. You can be a murderer, still not a big deal. Rapists start to have some problems. Child molesters, they section them off in their own cells so that they are protected. Even among the sinful, they have a hierarchy of sin. We can't do that. At the foot of the cross, it is level. All sins are the same. So whether it's lying or gossiping, or you murdered your grandma and stole from your uncle, it's all the same at the cross. But the good news was Jesus cared about you. Jesus cared enough about this woman to go into Samaria. He goes in and he sits down and he starts talking with her which, of course, is a cultural no-no. A man should not have talked with a woman unless they're related or married. And more than that, he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan. And he is a rabbi, or at least he claimed to be. In the Pharisees' eyes, he wasn't, but he had claimed to be. I mean, come on. He said, you're, if you're a teacher of the law, act like it, you know. Be stuck up like we are. Jesus doesn't do that. He sits down and he talks with this woman. And I love how he does this. He, he starts with this, these questions about getting water. And he says, you know, if you will give me something to drink. For my people are going into town. The Samaritan woman looked to him and said, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? What's she doing there? She's got her defensive mechanism in place, doesn't she? 
I don't want to hear it. She may have even ran into a few Jewish men before. She may have even ran into some Pharisees or some rabbis before. Instead of love, she probably got a lecture. Instead of compassion, she got condemnation. So if we put ourselves in the mindset of this woman, she's sitting there and she's trying to avoid people and she's like, oh. And I'm curious what was going on with her mind when she was walking up to the well and there's this man there. And she probably, if you could imagine her body language, she's got her back probably to him, trying at all possible to ignore him. And she, she can't ignore him because he talks to her. So the second point I want to say is this. If you see this, how she's probably turning her back and she's avoiding him. The second thing I want you to notice is that Jesus cares for people who don't necessarily care for him. You see, Jesus, he's who he is. He's not going to change. And I imagine that being in his presence, there's a, a certain feeling, there's electricity in the air. And I know that because even in now, when I am in the opportunity, given the opportunity to share the gospel, and I just talk about Jesus, I can tell people bristle and change. It makes them uncomfortable. Many people want to come down, they want to use the telephone, they want to get a pair of reading glasses, they want to get some books to read, they want to do something, just get out of the cell. And they're all okay with that. But as soon as I start talking about Jesus, the, the, the squirming on the seat, the fidgeting of the hands. See, Jesus cares about those people, though. This woman didn't know who he, she was talking with yet. But Christ, he doesn't give up. He goes on. He says, if you knew the gift of God who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Third point I'd like to make is this. Jesus cares for people who do not know what they need. Jesus cares for people who don't even know what they need. She was there to get water. She's thirsty. She's probably got some cooking to do, some cleaning. I just want to get this water and go back to my house. And she's standing there next to the creator of the universe. According to David, he, he knit us together in our mother's womb. She's stuck on this water. But Christ, he stays at it. And he says, if you knew who it was, you would ask me for living water. He's tipping his hand there, isn't he? He's giving her the clues. You don't know what you need. You don't even know to ask the right questions. I see this all the time. Men and women who have been beat down by life. Men and women who have lived entire decades stuck in addiction. There's a saying that we have inside the jail. We, always, we tell some people they're doing life on the installment plan. Because most people, they, they get short sentences. You get a DUI, two or three years. A little drug possession, four or five. 
stole something, maybe eight or nine. Talked to a man not too long ago. He said, I've been doing time since 1978. But he's been married and divorced three times, got six kids. I said, well, I thought you'd been in jail the whole time. He's like, well, no, I got out like six months here and eight months there. He's busy in those six or eight months. But. And we, we are amazed. I'm amazed at this because this pattern continues on. And I'm like, you don't even know what to ask for. And when it broke my heart one day, I talked to a man not so long ago. He's 51 years old. He said, I've seen it all. I've done it all. I'm done with life. I'm just going to ride out the rest of the time in jail. I'm like, what's your plan? He's like, what do you mean? I said, besides, you know, just sucking air for until the time you stop breathing. What's your plan? I don't know. I'm like, you're 51 years old. You've got to have some wisdom. You've got to have something, you know. He's got some kids. He has an ex-wife. He's like, I have nothing. I said, what if I had told you you could have a future? He goes, I'd like that. I shared with him the gospel. I gave him a tract. He kind of was like, man, I don't know about that. I said, well, you pray about it. You go back. I gave him the book of John. I said, go back and read through this. I brought him back in my office about a week later. I said, what do you think about that? He goes, I'll tell you what, preacher. I read that. I read it. And I know that you've committed your life to it, and I'm sure that it's working out okay for you. He goes, but I just don't see anything in there for me. And I was like, okay, maybe you didn't read it, so let me read it with you. <laughs> so I read through some passages in John and about, you know, he's, he loves us, and he came to this earth, and he died, and, you know, for the whole John 3.16, and nothing. And it broke my heart because I, I, I've... He's walked out of my office, and I've talked to him a few times after that, and he's not interested at all. He was like this woman at the well. He doesn't even know the questions to ask. He doesn't even know what he really needs. He was more concerned about making phone calls home so that somebody can send some money so that he could buy some noodles than he is about the eternal destination of his soul. Before we get too cocky and before we too confident in ourselves and, and look at those people and say, oh, those people. Let's look at ourselves. I have to look at my own life and say, am I doing what I need to be doing? Am I asking the right questions? Are my prayers filled with things that really don't matter? Or are they praying, or am I praying for eternal change, not in just myself, but in my community and, and the people around me and my family and my children. Am I asking the right questions? Do I even know what I need, even as a Christian? Well, like this woman at the well, we can go to Christ because Christ has the answer, doesn't he? After Jesus told her, he said, if you would have asked, I would have given you living water. She says, you have nothing to draw from, and the well is deep. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and flocks? And Jesus answered, <clears throat> everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. 
But whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will come from him a spring of water. <clears throat> Excuse me. Welling up. I could use a spring right now. Um, <laughs> welling up. <laughs> Eternal life. Last thing I want to show, share is that he cares because he came. Because he alone gives life. I have watched too many times in my own life, and I've watched too many times in other people's lives. There's a passage in Jeremiah when God is telling Jeremiah that the people of Israel have dug for, the, dug for themselves cisterns that will not hold water. In other words, they dig a well, and they think that they can go to it and be refreshed, but they cannot because there was nothing there. But Christ is telling us here that if we will turn to Him, we will have not only just satisfaction for now, but we will spring up and become a well ourselves. And not just to meet the needs of here and now, but for eternal life. I have watched men and women who have dug wells for themselves. Women who say to themselves, I have to have a man in my life, much like this woman here. It breaks my heart. I have a young lady right now. I have two cells. One is a men's cell and one's a women's cell. They're called the Life Change Program. It's a Christian discipleship cell that I'm allowed to segregate these men and women off to the side and teach them Bible. We have about 18 to 20 classes a week. They do their own personal devotions. We do intensive one-on-one counseling with them. We're trying to change the way that they think. Because we have young women like a lady right now. Her name is Heather. She's 26 years old. At the age of 15, she left her house because her mom and dad were both drug addicts and she had no one to love. And she met a man who was 19. She became pregnant and gave birth when she was 16. They got married when she was 17. He's an illegal immigrant and has been shipped out of the country twice, but he keeps sneaking and coming back. He has, she has three children with him. He continues to beat her when he's on the outside. He has numerous affairs. He's unfaithful. Often she works and he doesn't. When he does work, it's usually selling drugs. And she sat in my office a few weeks ago with my wife and I doing some counseling and literally just wept because she felt trapped. She didn't know where to go. And we were able to talk with her about God's love. And she didn't understand it because she's like, I've never had anyone love me that way. And one day we were in class shortly after that. And we were, I, I go back into the life change program with the women. A lot of times I would just do question and answers. They'll open it up and say, hey, did, you know, where did Cain get his wife? Did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? You know, all kinds of deep questions. And we were going through one of those sessions. And she goes, I have a question, chap. I said, what's that? Because you and your wife talked the other day about love. And I want that love in my life. How can I get it? 
And I sat, and I gave each one of the ladies a different, a different verse to read, and I walked her through how that we are sinners, but the free gift of salvation comes through Jesus Christ. And that he loved her enough to die on the cross because there's a debt that she cannot pay. And how he created a bridge between us and God. And that if we, according to Romans 10, 9 and 10, will believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that he, we will be saved. And she says, I want to do that today. I am here to share with you today that I can imagine the look on her face is similar to the one that this woman at the well had. Because when she came out of that prayer, she beamed. And I have watched her in the last month just glow and grow and just get in the Word and start to learn. And she, her situation has not changed. She still lives in a cinder block, 12 by 12 room with, three other, or with five other women. But she is more free than she's ever been in her life. You guys, today, if you have never made that decision to accept Jesus Christ, He cares about you. He cares about you even if you didn't care about Him. He cares about you even if you don't even know what you need. Because He alone gives life. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ, I encourage you to seek me out or seek someone else here. Because there's no decision more important than that. You see, when Jesus says that we will become a well, springing forth eternal life, guys, it's not a garden hose. It's Niagara Falls. And he will flow through you. And people around you will come to life. I close with this request. Partner with me. Partner with me to go into the jail. To go where people don't want to go. Because Jesus wants us to. Because Jesus cares about those people. There's three ways you can partner with me. Number one, prayer. I take very seriously Ephesians chapter 6 when it says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities of this air. You guys, it's not the men and women that I'm wrestling with. It is the demonic spirits of drug addiction, sex addiction, broken life, the destruction of relationships past and present. There are strongholds that have to be broken. Shackles that have to be unlocked. And there's no key that the jailer holds that will do it. Prayer is the key number one thing to do that. Number two is volunteer. These people need to be loved on. And we are called on by the, the Word of God to say that we are the body of Christ. And the body goes, and the body loves, and the body does. And it's not for everyone, I know. But I encourage you and I welcome you to come down and take a jail tour. Come down and see what we're doing. What, what God is doing inside the jail. 
You know, I say that earlier, and I don't believe that it's any form of exaggeration to say that there's probably no one place in the tri-state area that you can reach not just your local community, but across the state, across the United States, and around the world in one building with one ministry. I know it's true because I get letters from people who are now in Connecticut and Oklahoma and Texas who have been through my program, and they're writing back and asking questions because they're doing Bible studies in places where there is no chaplain, where there are no religious services, and they're being ambassadors for Christ. And then finally, partner with me financially. Good News Jail and Prison Ministry, we send our chaplains in as missionaries. I am not paid or supported by the local tax money. I'm not supported by the or an employee of the jail. I'm a missionary. Last night I had a dinner with a man who's a missionary to Indonesia. I'm a missionary to Henderson, Kentucky. Wouldn't you, when you get to heaven, like to know that you, like Christ, help blind people see, to help prisoners be free? Maybe not physically. They're still locked up. There's still a penalty to be paid for the crimes that they committed. But just like Heather and hundreds of thousands like her that come through that building, there's an opportunity to them to know real freedom. Amen? Guys, God bless you and thank you for having me here today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much. Thank you so much that you love us, that you care for us. That even while we were still enemies of yours, that you still came and loved us and died for us. I pray, God, that you would just touch the men and women who are here today, that your word would penetrate their heart, that they would learn, as I have learned and continue to struggle, God, to learn to love people the way you see them. If we see them how you see them and love them the way you love them, then we can win them to you, Christ, and we can change their lives and their eternal destiny. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would just bless us as we go out in this beautiful day. 
Keep us safe and help us to return next week. In your name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Who are we that you would be mine to love us? What do you see that's worthy looking our way? are free ways that we never should be sweet release from the grip of these chains like angels straining from the wind my heart no longer can keep from singing all that is Within me cries for oh, you alone be glorified in man you will God with us my heart sings a brand new song the dead is paid the chains are gone